1: 18 plus.
0: This interview with Deborah Watts Was conducted in July of 2020 This is an encore presentation We hope you had a chance to listen to A Letter from Heaven to America From Emmett Till Which is episode 15 of Destination Freedom Next up On The Eclectic Produced and hosted by Donnie Betts Of No Credits Production LLC Press for your ears Tell everybody New podcast from the producers of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days comes the eclectic interviews with difference makers, artists, authors, bold thinkers, people we love who get stuff done. We hope you enjoy. This special interview with the co-founder of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation is his cousin, Deborah Watts. On August 28, nineteen fifty five. The body of 14-year-old Emmett Till was discovered in the muddy waters of the Tallahatchie River in Mississippi. Till's body had been dumped there by two men who later confessed to his killing. He had been beaten to death savagely for many hours. Now, Emmett's murder was just one of 4,000 lynchings that stained the soul of America from 1870 until 1950. What made this different was the insistence of his mother, that brave soul, Mamie Till, that said his body must be brought back from Mississippi to Chicago, where it was displayed in an open casket for all the world to see what these men had done to her son. That image would help spark the Southern Freedom Movement, also known as the Civil Rights Movement. Till would have turned 79 on July 25, 2020, and August 28, 2020, it would be 65 years since that murder. Joining me today to speak about the ongoing push for justice for Emmett Till is his cousin, Deborah Watts, co-founder and executive director of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation out of Stone Mountain, Georgia. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So let's first start with this, uh, as I described earlier, a, little, a push for justice for Emmett Till. What are you and the foundation doing to, to make this happen?
1: Well, we are, I would say pounding on the drums right now and asking the public congress and others to join us in this push for justice it's a 65 year old murder case that um as you mentioned the perpetrators or the murderers were found uh not guilty and we know that that was total miscarriage of justice and so we're asking the public to join us in making sure that at least the the known accomplice that is still alive is brought to justice and that's carolyn bryant donham uh she is in her 80s um and has never really answered to any questions uh particularly from the public or uh, reporters or others Uh, but she told her story to her husband and she told her story to a jury and that is what began the 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 wheels turning and led to emmett till's death and so her recollection her uh, story her lie if you will uh is why she needs to be held accountable uh for emmett's murder she was a central part of 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 his demise and uh represented such a time um you know back in uh, the 1950s which you know of course we're seeing something similar happening today so that model is being repeated and we need we need it stopped so we are um, at this point asking the public to join us in a petition we have a petition campaign that is being launched and it is asking for the murder charges to be filed against Carolyn Bryant Donham. We know that the responsibility and the powers that be, it's held in the hands of the local authorities and those that have jurisdictional authority in Mississippi. And that would be uh, the Attorney General, Lynn Fitch, along with the district attorney in the area that's holding the the case, as we finally know. uh, And that is Dwayne Richardson. Uh, DA, district attorney in that area. Um, the case is a reactivated open murder case that is still on the list of cases, cold cases, unsolved cases, that the Department of Justice has, um, uh, has a report that they issue every year, and it's still showing open murder case. So we know that uh, the FBI has been involved We know that they have done an investigation, or at least they were, they have indicated they've done an investigation or still doing an investigation. We're not sure um, why it's taken this long. So we are urging, you know, the public to help us to help them bring this to closure, bring the case to closure, file charges, have an indictment against Carolyn Bryant Donham, and finally have some. and sense of justice that I believe um, is owed to our family. It's owed also to the public and and actually the world. We have received uh, calls from people in Europe and other places that are counting on us doing our part. And so this time it's our family that that is, and and the foundation is leading the effort. And I must say, um, Mr. Betts, that um, I'm a cousin of them. It's our great grandfathers were brothers and so this effort (laughs) wearing two hats you know one of which um with the foundation the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation and you know that was as as a promise to Emmett's mother that we would we would keep fighting for justice we would make sure that his death is not in vain and that people would remember him and they would also understand what the legacy is about and so we're trying to you know to make sure that that's all intact as well so this is wrapped up with you know family with our foundation leading the effort and with activists supporters And others that are counting on the Department of Justice, along with the local jurisdictional authorities to to right the wrongs, to do their part and to bring uh, those that are known accomplices. And the one that we know is Carolyn Bryant Donham, but bring that person to justice.
0: And we know that she like you said, she's still alive and she still will not speak anymore. She spoke once. She's not speaking anymore about the case. And we know that the case will reopen. Now, I'm confused about this. It reopened in 2010 and then reopened again uh, recently as 2017 by the FBI. Now, are These two different investigations, the FBI and the Department of Justice, and as you mentioned, the District Attorney uh, uh, and Attorney General there in Mississippi. Are these all three separate uh, investigations? Or are they all uh, collaborating with each other?
1: What happened? You know, in in two thousand seven, I believe, um, uh, there were activists, uh, Alvin Sykes, along with uh, a filmmaker, Keith Beauchamp, yes, who petitioned along with uh, cousin Simeon um, Wright, who actually was a witness to Emmett's kidnapping. Yes, he was. Um, they were able to get the Department of Justice, um, along with Congress's, you know, support. John Lewis and others to support um, an act called the Unsolved Civil Rights Crimes Act. And that called for cold cases to be investigated, of uh, a full accounting brought to families, uh, the truth and justice for those perpetrators that were still alive. Now, many of those cases were, you know, cases from, you know, the civil rights era. And unfortunately, many of the perpetrators are no longer with us and so but it did give some semblance of of truth and some semblance of justice to some families Um, Emmett's case though was actually um, reopened and uh, reinvestigated with his body being exhumed in uh, 2005 and that was subsequently um, I don't want to say closed because murder cases, you know, until they're solved aren't closed. But uh, they decided there was no true bill. Uh, That was in 2007. And with new investigations and with with um, actually with the revelation that that Carolyn Bryant indicated and i you know people are saying she recanted her story uh and this was based on a book that was written by uh timothy tyson yes uh that's what started this firestorm if you will in 2017 um when he revealed that he had spoken to her um and i believe it was around 2008 2009 that he had spoken to her uh about the case And um, she indicated at that time to him, supposedly, that uh, she, you know, that the things that she said that he did, he didn't do. So that piqued the interest of the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the case was revisited, if you will. and at the same time we were getting the reauthorization of the Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights Crimes Act because it was due to sunset in uh 2017 so in 2016 um president obama was able to sign that act and it's reactivated it's it's back in place and it is to to look at unsolved cold cases now through Two thousand, excuse me, um, from the forties uh, through, uh, I believe it's nineteen seventy nine. The first act, or, which I would call Till Bill One, was to investigate cases through nineteen sixty nine. With the reauthorization, they extended it another ten years. So now cases that, um, and we have some that that we were aware of that needed to have attention, like the. Uh, the Atlanta Five uh, who actually uh, there are five men that went fishing from Atlanta to Pensacola and they um, came back or they didn't come back alive if you will. So that case happened I believe in 1976. Uh, So with the reauthorization of the Unsolved Civil Rights Crimes Act uh, there is a a report that has to be issued each year um, based on what The findings are from the Department of Justice with their investigation. What happens with that, Donnie, is that, or Mr. Bitts, (laughs) what happens with with, with that, um, when the cases are investigated, they turn it over to the local authorities. So the Department of Justice at the highest level, you know, the United States, the law enforcement there, they provide some assistance. But where the jurisdictions are, you know, where um, local authorities, uh, whether it's in the state, the county or in a particular city, um, they, you know, because most of the statute of limitations for some of these cases don't they don't have federal uh, jurisdiction, but they agree to help with the investigation. That's the same thing here in Emmett Till's case. So they would. Um, under normal circumstances, turned their investigation over to the local authorities. And that's where we sit today, that we don't know what was a part of their uh, investigation. We assume that it has to be their findings um, with uh, Timothy Tyson's book, what he wrote, what um carolyn bryant admitted to or didn't admit to uh and then also uh she indicated or he indicated that there was a um there were memoirs that she was actually writing um and he agreed to have those held until 2036 so of course you know with everyone hearing that we're wondering okay what's inside of those memoirs right you know what what information is there that we need to know so i'm hoping that with the reinvestigation or the revisiting of the case that they were able to acquire that information they were able to talk to timothy tyson and i'm hoping they were able to talk to carolyn bryant but with investigations like this, we never really know the truth or, or we don't know the process because it's an open investigation. Right. So we're hoping that um, that with our push that, um, you know, we're, of, of course, we're making some assumptions. And we do know that some of our family members uh, have been given uh, some updates, but they have not been given any updates since, I believe, like 2018. Mm. So it's time. You know, it's time. And so we're just asking for the update. We don't know what it entails, but we really want the public to help us push for that kind of closure. And we're hoping, too, that with the information that they have, that they will um, find and that they're finding um, the association of Carolyn Bryant being an accomplice in the murder of Emmett Dill.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty. At LuckyLandSlots.com.
1: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18
0: plus. Turns and conditions. apply. Well, she would be complicit because her her actions and her words led to all the actions of her husband and also of his, uh, was it his cousin? So, J.W. JW Millam and uh, Rod Bryant the two perpetrators of this murder there may have been other people involved against their will i had a conversation with the mayor of glendora mississippi who has always said that he thought he felt his father may be involved against his will because he worked for the bryants So, yes yes, that may or may not be true but we do know for sure because they confessed and after a 67 minute trial they were found not guilty and then they yeah. were able to benefit by an article that they wrote for and paid $3,000 for that. Whereas the family of Amy Till, yourself included, uh, has not gotten justice, nor received one cent of any kind of conversation for this murder or anything like that. So I just wanted the public to be aware of that. You brought yes, up yes. You, you brought up this amazing woman at the beginning of the conversation, that's me Till Mo- Mobley. And that I want you to be able to really tell people about her as much as you can remember. It's always um, interesting to me when we talk about Emma Till because our mother's name was Mamie as well. So it's like a, ah. a something in my heart that always tells me that I need to keep talking about this case in particular. Here in Colorado, where you're speaking to me from, of course, right now we are uh, hashtag justice for Elijah McLean. So yes. these, these, as you said, men, women, and children are still being murdered Murdered here in America. were not any kind of justice for for the families, in particular, as we go to this trauma of trying to get justice for these individuals. But please speak to us about Mamie.
1: Yes, I, I'm delighted to to do that. She is my shiro. You know, um, my great grandfather and Emmett's great grandfather were brothers. Joe Smith was my great grandfather, and Emmett's was uh, George Smith. And my great-grandfather lived to be about 97, and so he was one of the oldest favorite uncles that was still alive. Mm. And he had so much, there was so much respect for him with other family members that they would visit often. And that would include Emmett's grandmother, Alma Spearman, and his mother. And so I had the fortunate opportunity of being in an extended family living with my great-grandfather at the time when he migrated from um from mississippi to uh omaha nebraska and so with that i you know i had a chance to to just hear them um how they loved up on him and then how they were about their business of uh their their faith with the church of god in christ you know many times they were there Uh, helping to to spread the word, to, you know, encourage other um, uh, units growing, you know, um, in in their faith and then starting, you know, churches as well. So um, that was always, you know, a visit to my my great-grandfather and then they were about their their business, you know, moving forward. But at reunions, I oftentimes spent time talking to, to Mamie and, you know, she, when I think about her, you know, she started this if you will this this public um outcry um but again when you think in in 1955 such a brave soul courageous and starting this this unwelcome unwanted club if you will of mothers Hmm. who had to um find the kind of courage their voice their faith they used everything that they had to try to get um some support for and justice for the, the the loss of their sons and daughters stolen lives. Yes. So Mamie provides that I think that model of grace and dignity and class uh, through her grief and so I think me along with so many others we just we just respect her for that. We uh, probably would not handle uh, a similar situation. Uh, The way that she handled it, but she provided that that kind of a model. But this was a a very intelligent woman, very, um, I think, determined. Uh, just in her even in her early years you know to to get her education yes. but also to be obedient to her mother her mother had a pretty strong um i'd say she had pretty strong influence over her so everything had to be approved by by mama spearman <laughs> and uh, mimi was very obedient to that and that happened before emma was born and even after emma was born
0: i, I read so, where sorry i read where she didn't want her to get married to emma's father <laughs>
1: yes you know but but of course you know think in 19 you know in those early uh 40s um and you know she had you know dreams and hopes for her as well yes but there was a lot i mean it 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 would take you know i'm I should write a book. I'm, I am author of, of a book called 101 Ways to Know You're Black in Corporate America, of which I mm. should say, Mamie wrote the forward of my book. Okay. And so as we move forward with our relationship, you know, she, um, of course, respected my work and, and, you know, my, I guess, matriculation through corporate America. But we found ourselves connected in a way because as the dreams and hopes of were, um, I'd say, destroyed uh, with racism by many of those that were smart and brilliant individuals willing to play the game, willing to make sure that they did all the right things in corporate, Um, you know, their 250% still wasn't enough, you know, giving 250%. So she compared that with emmett you know not having an opportunity to have his hopes and dreams uh realized you know at age 14 so but but a very determined woman very um i would say you know she she battled this um i I don't want to say alone but we were Pretty much like spectators watching her, watching her interview, uh, her interview with Jet Magazine and with other publications, with speaking uh, at podiums, you know, NAACP and other places across the country and churches and 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 just trying to sh- share Emmett's story. But then also, you know, connecting with some of the issues that African-Americans were facing with unemployment, with uh violence and and racism and other things so she was she's a model a role model definitely a role model for me and I think for a lot of a lot of women and she was just determined though that we would remember Emmett and I I tell you I had to promise that I would do whatever I could after I left corporate America that I would do everything that I could to to try to 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 make sure that people would not forget Emmett.
0: Well, I know that she's looking down on you and smiling, and 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 just keeping a part in the work that you are doing, the legacy, and the rest of the family are, to do that. Um, let's you. talk about some of the events that you have planned for. Um, not only is for Emmett's birthday for um, July 25th, he would have been 79 years old, and also yeah. August 28th uh, was his 65th anniversary of his murder. The yes. foundation is doing a lot of amazing things. Can you share with the public uh, just a little bit what some of the things you're doing?
1: Yes. On on July 25th, um, we start with a global notice. Um, it's a time for unity in black and white. And we started this several years ago where we're asking the public to join us in a silent yet powerful protest against racism, hate, violence. And now we've added police brutality. And what we've asked the public to do is we're black and white all day that day, um, take a photo of themselves, post it on social media, send it to us as well. And it's a statement, you know, that just says, you know, enough is enough. You know, we need to say the names of all of those that who had their lives stolen. And then we also need to pause for just a moment of silence, just to give them that kind of respect. And we ask people to do that at 12 noon, wherever they are in the world. You know, I think people would be surprised that in Minnesota, there are something, there's like 400 or so uh, cases and names and people that have lost their lives to uh, police, or have been victims of police brutality in Minnesota. Starting, I believe they started recording uh, those names in 1984, and they ended it with um, with the names like George Floyd in 2020, um, Joshua um, Ostwiski. Uh, Ronald Davis in 2019, Brian Quinones, um and then others that um, just, I mean, there's 400. I'm just looking at a poster with four columns, really small font size and print, um, and it's filled with with the names.
0: Your media handles so they can reach out to you.
1: Oh, wonderful. Yes. Well, we are on uh, Facebook uh, at Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. We're on Twitter. Um, and with the support of some of our celebrities, we have grown from like, oh, Three thousand to maybe thirty six, thirty seven thousand. Tay Diggs, thanks to him, who sort of adopted us. Actor Tay Diggs, beautiful. Um, And that's at Emmett Till. It's real simple: E M M E T T T I L L. And then we have Instagram at Emmett Till Legacy Foundation, along with our website. It's um, Emmett Till Legacy Foundation dot com.
0: Well, Terpa Watts, I can't thank you enough for being with us to tell us. More about the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation to share your uh, your personal recollection of Mamie Till, which I said is one of my heroes as well. Sharing that that mutual name of, of mothers, and also the fact that Emmett was calling for her as he was being beaten, as so many are uh, recorded today. There wasn't a camera available at that time, but so many right. have been recorded today, trying to call for their mother as a way to escape the brutality that's being inflicted upon them. So. Thank you again. The best of luck to you. Uh, We'll do our part and uh, we'll spread the word for you here in our region. Thank you again.
1: Thank you so much.
0: The eclectic is produced by Donnie O'Betts and No Traders Production, LLC. The series is remixed by Maurice Smith. Please subscribe to our podcast at Broadway Podcast Network, Spotify, Radio Public, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook. At No Credit Production, LLC, Instagram, Twitter, at Donnie Betts, or the, like the, the podcast. I'm Donnie O. Betts, and special thanks to all our great, great supporters out there.